Welcome friends, and thank you for joining me today. Please know that wherever you are, I am praying for you as we continue to face the challenge of COVID-19. Hey honey. Yeah. Do you want a cup of coffee? Sure. Okay. Thank you. Oh, are you already taping? Yes, I am. Okay. Well, hey, can I say hi? Sure. Hi everyone, wherever you are watching, we're so thankful you just took the time to be with us. And if you are part of our Sky Valley community, I want you to know how very much we miss you and we miss meeting together for worship. We miss gathering for social activities and we hope to be back together again as soon as we can. And hey, this is Mother's Day weekend. Yep, So I have is. a blessing for our moms. I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, thanks, Luke. I'd like to ask you, have you ever had a relationship rupture? Has something come between you and, and someone else that you loved? Well, of course you have. This applies to all of us. It happens to all of us. Well, what do you do when this happens? Today, we're continuing our journey through the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus. And we're going to look at an important story of relationship reconciliation. Last week, we looked at the first part of chapter 21 of John's Gospel. Peter and some of the guys were in Galilee, and they decided to go fishing. After being skunked all night, a stranger on shore who turns out to be Jesus tells them to cast their net to the right side of the boat, and they hold an amazing catch of fish. They get to shore, Peter ahead of all the others, and Jesus has breakfast waiting for them on the barbecue. Jesus meets their physical needs, and now he's going to meet a significant spiritual and emotional need of Peter. We all know that Peter had denied Jesus three separate occasions the night that he was arrested. After boasting that even if all the others fell away, Jesus could count on him, Peter had bailed. Can you imagine how Peter felt about this? Can you imagine the guilt, the, the shame, the, the embarrassment? I'm grateful for this latter part of chapter 21 of John's Gospel because in this we have the restoration, we have the recalling, we have the, the reassignment of the ministry that Jesus gives Peter. Back in Matthew 4:19, Jesus had met these fishermen, including Peter, and he had told them to drop their nets, to leave it all behind, and he would make them fishers of men. God has significant plans for this denying, impatient, impulsive leader by the name of Peter. And Jesus values his relationship with Peter and Peter's usefulness to the kingdom so much that Jesus initiates the restoration. Peter's beloved, I think, by all of us because he's like all of us. If we're honest with ourselves, this could be any one of us. Peter, all the failures that, that we are all so familiar with in our own lives. He overestimates himself and he underestimates temptation. He thinks he's more committed than he really is. He thinks he loves the Lord more than he does. He thinks he's strong enough to face any trial triumphantly, and he finds out he can't. And by the time we get to this point, even though he's seen the risen Christ three times, he's still a broken man. But the Lord is going to call him back, and through him, the rest of the disciples, into significant ministry. They will subsequently be empowered by the Holy Spirit, and they will turn the world upside down. But it first requires a restoration of Peter 
to relationship with Christ. The call to be a discipleship of Jesus has three components. It's a call to love Jesus. It's a call to sacrifice for Jesus. And it's a call to follow Jesus no matter what. This is universally the case. For every believer, for every Jesus follower, there is a necessity of a call to love, a call to sacrifice, and a call to follow. This is the, the stuff of discipleship. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And although these three things are easily stated, love, sacrifice, and obedience, following Christ is not necessarily easy. Peter has learned that lesson the hard way. Salvation is not cheap. It's not easy. It costs. It costs Jesus his life on our behalf. And we in return are, as Paul tells us, to offer ourselves as living sacrifices. He elaborates on this when he tells us in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus himself said that to follow him completely requires us to find our lives by losing them, to fulfill our lives by emptying them, to live our lives by dying to self. No, salvation is not cheap. It's not easy. Jesus said it might require you to hate your father or your mother or your sister or your brother and your own life. It might require you to turn from everything you possess, all your desires, all your ambitions. If you want to follow me, Jesus says, you must deny yourself. You must pick up your cross. It may mean death and follow me. What would motivate that? Well, why would someone do that? What is a compelling desire that's going to cause me or, or you or anybody else to sacrifice our life for Christ? to spend our life obeying him. What is the motive? The motive, my friend, is love. That is the only power that can provoke this kind of devotion. I think we understand that even on a human level. People who love greatly sacrifice greatly. People who love greatly give up things. Love is a powerful, powerful emotion. It's a powerful motivator. Even earthly love is so powerful that it can draw the best out of people. It is love that makes people sacrifice everything to live with one person for the entirety of their lives. It is so powerful that people sacrifice their own lives for the ones they love as we do for our children. Some have such great love that it causes them, it's even beyond their personal causes and that they'll give their lives for their nation or for their neighbors. In John 15, 13, Jesus said, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And one afternoon in Jerusalem, he lived out those words. He laid down his life for his friends. And that includes you and it includes me. Love is a powerful motivator. And when you move it into the spiritual dimension and, and into the divine world, love is what causes us to serve God in an extreme act of dedication. When asked what does the, the greatest commandment, Jesus replied, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, he said, 
love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. The Bible never calls for a life of legalism, a life of law, a life of dread, a life of fear. It always calls for us to love God and to love others. It's the driving power of the kingdom. Jesus makes it clear in the 14th chapter of John where he says, If you love me, keep my commandments. Love is the power of obedience. Love is the power of duty. Love is the power of service. Love is the power of sacrifice. Love is the power of worship. Love is the power of fellowship. Love is everything. So we come to John 21, 15 and our Lord's dialogue with Peter. Here is a man who needs total restoration, and the Lord asks him one question three times. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Why? Because you will follow what you love. You will serve what you love. You will sacrifice for what you love or for whom you love. That is the why of the question. Peter overestimated himself a lot. He bragged in that upper room the night before the crucifixion. Then he went on to deny Jesus three times, just like Jesus said he would. And by the time we get to this chapter here in chapter 21, verse 15, Peter had already seen the risen Christ in Jerusalem a few times, and now he'd seen him on the shore of Galilee. But there's something that hadn't been dealt with, but needed to be. There was a proverbial elephant in the living room. If Peter was going to do the things that, that Jesus still has for him to do, something had to be addressed. Peter's world had been rocked. It had been shaken to the core. He had serious doubts about himself. And our Lord, Lord had to go to the, the core of the issue. Peter needed to be restored. And we needed to know what happens to Peter at the end of the story. So I'm glad that John recorded it all for us. Know that while this is an intensely personal time between Peter and Jesus, it's also a public restoration. He's not here alone. Back in verse 2, you have a list of all the other disciples who were with him. Thomas, Nathaniel, James, and John who, who are there. Uh, there were a couple others, probably Philip and Andrew, the crew for the most part that were the fishermen, with the addition of Thomas here, as I said. Our Lord had prepared breakfast for them, and after this wonderful, miraculous catch of fish, and it's, it's now time to deal with Peter. And in verse 15, it reads this. It says, When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, Feed my lambs. Now that must have gotten his attention. Simon, son of John? That was his name before he met the Lord. And the Lord had given him another name. He said, you're going you're gonna to be Peter. You're going to be the rock. Peter was the Lord's name for him. But Peter had fallen so far that the Lord is using his old name because he's acting like his old self. He's surely not acting like a rock. This is like when you did something wrong and, and your mother called you by your, your, your entire name. I, you know, I was named after my daddy. His name was Walter, and I've always been Walt. So if my mother said Walter or called me Walter Eugene, I knew I was really, really in trouble. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, 
Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Three times Jesus asks Peter if he loves him, once for each occasion of denial. And he gets an opportunity here to be restored. Do you love me? That's the question, my friend. And that's always the question Jesus is interested in. When you or I act disobediently, we're declaring love for something other than Christ. And Peter has done that. And Peter replies, he, he, here he, he appeals to the omniscience of the Lord. Lord, you know. Now, some people think omniscience or, or knowing all is frightening. I think it's a blessing. You say, well, well, that means the Lord knows everything you're thinking. The Lord knows all about you. Yes, absolutely. What a blessing that is, because even when we don't demonstrate it, he knows that we love him. I'm happy to allow him to, to know the things that I wish he wouldn't know if he can also know the things that I desperately want him to know that I love him. Then something happens here. Something amazing happens to Peter. Jesus accepts him and says to him, feed my lambs. The most vulnerable, the weakest, the most prone to wander, the most delicate. I turned them over to you, Peter care for them. He says, shepherd my sheep, not just the little ones, but all of them. In other words, no more fishing. Shepherd my sheep. This is your calling. Your job is my lambs, my sheep. Back in chapter 10 of John, Jesus had talked about how he loved his sheep, how he gave his life for his sheep, how the sheep knew him and he knew the sheep. And now he's handing them over. He's trusting them to Peter. Do you see what's happening? Jesus is restoring Peter's relationship with him. Why? Because that's what love does. And Jesus has a great work in store for Peter. Jesus has a mission for Peter. And Peter's going to need to be bold and, and confident. And for this to happen, the relationship needs to be restored. Peter needs to be restored. What relationship do you have that needs restoration? Is it your relationship with the Lord? No matter what you've said, no matter what you've done, please understand that nothing matters more to God than your relationship with Him. It's a relationship with another individual that needs to be restored. Maybe someone has, has wronged you. Note that Jesus is the one who initiates the restoration here. Maybe you need to recognize the importance of the relationship to God and seek reconciliation for his kingdom's sake. Maybe you've wronged someone and you know it. It's damaged the relationship. I urge you to go to that person in, in love and humility and show them that you value the relationship more than you do your pride. Love God. Love others. It all comes down to these two. What is standing in the way of those relationships for you? Amen. Well, thank you for meeting with me here today and, and listening to this teaching from God's Word. And thank you to those who continue to help support the ministry here at Sky Valley and beyond even Sky Valley, even into your living room or wherever you are right now. You may contact us through our, our website, through our Facebook page, 
or you can email me at walt at svmin.com. God bless you and have a great week.